Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station on this. Man, the, the big hits just keep coming on this Thursday. Also, you can um, watch us on Simulcast 32 point, uh, Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline. 706-0111, 706-0111, if you would like to get in, it is, um, you know, the NFL stuff just continues to come. Certainly have a lot of thoughts on that. The news yesterday, we got official news that UL men's basketball coach Bob Marlin will be back. For next season. That's something that a lot of people were wondering about throughout last season. And frankly, I think most people, if you had asked the question with weeks to go in the season, would probably have guessed that he would not be back. And yet, they won six out of seven down the stretch, leading up to reaching the finals of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and they are they have decided to uh, allow Coach Moreland to at least fill out the, la- the final year of his contract, and we'll see what happens after that. Obviously, they're the, it, you know, the team played well late. There's plenty of potential there. They can get some guard play, but, of course, the first thing for all teams now in today's era is to not get beat up in the transfer portal. Um, last year, Cedric Russell waited until the very end because he he just battled it and battled it. And, you know, you could kind of tell it wasn't something he really, really wanted to do. And he, and yet, did he really want to not give it a try? And he did. And you know, I'm sure that he has plenty of regrets. Or but. However, because it took so long, they they didn't really replace him. And, um, you know, Greg Williams was one of the main people that could help, and he played very well late. It just took a while. And, again, hopefully next year they'll hit the ground running, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, there's going to be – people that are for it, a lot of people that are going to be against that idea, and and that's – I guess that's part of the fun of of sports talk radio, but it, it it's just um, you know we'll see. They they need again. They're gonna need to get more consistent guard play. It was an issue all year long, and at the end it got better. I, I think Michael Thomas showed some really positive signs, and we'll see what kind of progress he can make going into next season. All right, um, lots of other things going on. Cajun baseball. LSU baseball, both had 
Losses, midweek losses last night. LSU got swept by Louisiana Tech on the season in their two games. Listen to these numbers. Like, Coach Deggs for the Cajuns have been really harping, like really harping against what he calls freebies. And it played a critical role last night. In the ninth inning after the Cajuns. Well, first of all, you got to go back to the top of the ninth. Cajuns are down two. They, in going to the ninth, they scored two runs in the ninth. They got a run on 31 out, and they cannot get the run home. That has happened way too often. I mean, it's going to happen here or there, but that has happened way too often. I, you know, someone called earlier this week and talked about how they do a good job of bunting to get on base, but they don't always do a good job of bunting to advance runners, especially home. And they, you know, that's something that they're going to, they're, they've got to get better at. No question. So the loss, well, I mean, you know, at the end anyway, started with not getting the lead when you should have got the lead. Now, in the bottom of the ninth, after tying it with two runs in the top of the ninth, the first two batters, one walks and one gets hit by a pitch. Now, that's bad, and it led to the loss. Now, in the as far as the overall game, they only walked three and, sh- and hit one batter. So it wasn't like they had this. It was nine innings of freebies. It's just that. The little freebie spree happened at the wrong time with the game tied in the bottom of the ninth inning. So that's a um, you know giant pop on. The other thing that you don't like about last night's game for the Cajuns is they struck out eleven times. That really hadn't been the case that often for a lot of the first two seasons uh, since Coach Deggs got here. That happened fairly often when they would strike out a lot, but they haven't really been doing that that much. Um, and neither is the softball team for that matter. But they don't always score a lot of runs. But uh, but no, that was an, you know, very uncomfortable. You could also argue, you know, the Cajuns only got four hits in the game, scored five runs. Nichols got ten hits. So you could argue they, you know, they probably shouldn't have been that close anyway. On the LSU side of things, I guess I've seen this before, but I don't really- I don't remember when, and I guarantee you it ain't been it it, it it doesn't it has not happened that often what happened last night between LSU and Tech. Now they did play 12 innings, so that had something to do with it. But LSU's pitching staff walked eleven batters and struck out twenty. Tech's pitching staff walked three batters and struck out 20. There were 40 strikeouts in this game. I don't know that I've ever seen that. 40. (laughs) That is remarkable. Um, You know, Tech talking about the ninth inning. Tech tied the game in the ninth to help force extra innings without getting a hit. LSU walked three batters and made an error. 
That's Pawball too. So it's um I don't know, two teams still very much searching for what they're going to be this season. One conference, you know, LSU did a nice rally to avoid getting swept at home by the Agheads, uh, Texas A&M. And it, um, it was very close to get, they were very close to getting swept. They they were down six to two. Um, A and M outplayed them the vast majority of that series. The Cajuns got swept at Troy, so uh, the Cajuns are now coming home starting tomorrow to play quite possibly the best team in the Sunbelt Conference and defending champion South Alabama and LSU's going to Florida. So, you know, it's not looking, everything's not rosy for either program right now. Again, there's still a lot of things to like about, a lot of things to like about what the Cajuns have done so far this year. I think fundamentally they're a little further advanced a little further down the road than, than LSU in a lot of ways. But if you don't have enough pitching, it's just, it's hard. Not, you There is no hiding that over, you know, 50-something, 60-game schedule, whatever it ends up being. I mean, it, it's hard to hide having no pitching. Or, I don't want to say that, not having enough pitchers. Again, I, I still think the problem with this Cajun team is that they don't have enough starting pitching. They have enough bullpen arms, but too many of their bullpen arms are having to be starters, and that's they're not as good as, as you would like your starters to be, and that limits your bullpen. So it's um, it's it's I don't know. We'll see. Uh, the good news from last night's game for the Cajuns is Drew Shiflett had four and two-third innings, did not give up an earned run, walk one, struck out three. So that was a good outing. He was a guy that was, you know, most most people guessed going into the season that Shiflett would be the Friday night starter. It has not worked out that way. And you know anytime he can he can give him some help and get back to that level it, it would be a you know it's a good thing so um certainly feel free to discuss any of those situations we will get to the NFL huge trade that I kind of dropped the ball I'd, I'd, I'd gotten the notice right at the end of the show and I didn't mention it and then, I don't know, 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later, whatever an hour, whatever it was, we got the full um, trade, and it was a mega trade with the with the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And so uh, involving Tyreek Hill, and it's, oof, I don't know. I mean, it's just the big hits in the NFL just keep on coming. Uh, I mean, this has been – you know, last year was a crazy offseason. This this offseason's crazier than last year. I um 
it's hard to know how to how to process all of that. So we'll um, we'll talk about that in the next segment. And then again in the second in the ten o'clock hour, like we'll do each Thursday, kind of uh, be talking to our friend Mr. Tom, get to know a little bit more, get you ready, or continue to kind of kick the can down the road. We are now what um you know not what five weeks away or so from the um the Kentucky Derby. So it's um that'll be here before you know it as well as the NFL draft. It's an exciting I mean, if you are an NFL draft person and a and a and a big horse racing aficionado, I mean that what a great time of the year, especially if you like baseball too. I don't know I don't know how many people like all three of those, but that's um that's a that's a fun time of the year to uh, be going into the Triple Crown races, uh, the NFL drafts around that time, and then obviously baseball is is you know will be about a month into its season. So lot, that's a, a, that's a fun time for fans of those sports for sure. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and discuss the ins and outs of the uh, the big trade that happened actually while we were on the show yesterday at the very end and, and really started hitting the sports uh, conversations around the country around noon yesterday. So we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right. Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. It's, um, man, intriguing on so many levels. Um, you wonder, my, my first thoughts were the Chiefs might not be quite as explosive next year. But they've helped themselves. They've increased their chances of still being a really, really, really good team two years down the road and four years down the road and five years down the road. And so I I think it's more of a long-term thing. Um, And... It's kind of, I've heard people say, and I kind of agree, kind of a Patriot kind of move. That you you draft a guy, you didn't, you know, draft him really, really high. And he had, you know, this all-pro type career. And when he starts to want mega, mega, mega money, then you trade him and get a lot for him. And so it can work. Uh, again, set 
setting yourself up for the future is not a bad thing. Um, and so I definitely think it could hurt. It could impact the Chiefs negatively next season in the short term. But long term, I, I think it was a good move for them. The Dolphins, it 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 makes them, it gives them a chance. You know, they're limited at quarterback, uh, but they have a they normally have a very good defense, and they have a coach who understands about running the football. Now we'll see how that plays out, but at least he comes from. You know he's a Shanahan disciple to the max, and 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 he he understands the value of running the football. So we'll see how it plays out. But what it does is we had been talking about this, but after yesterday's trade, I said, okay, let, let let's look at the AFC and let's actually count. So I counted third as we stand now. Five weeks or so from the NFL draft, still a long way to go in free agency and, you know, everything that goes on in the offseason. But as we start to sniff April, I count 13 legitimate playoff contenders in the AFC. 13. They only have 68 teams in the league. Not counting the Texans. Not counting the Jets. And what 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 is the other team I'm I'm forgetting here? There's three teams that aren't counting. Um, that's not a lot. Not a lot. So, and there's seven spots. So that means 13 playoff contenders, seven spots. That's a lot of unhappy teams. So for the Dolphins, it's exciting. Um, but if it doesn't work, if you don't make the playoffs this year, not because you're bad, but again, there's six teams that have a chance that look like they're going to be pretty good. Because understand, the wild card here in the AFC picture is that 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 I think is fooling some people is that the Ravens were a really good team last year that just got decimated by injuries. I you know, I think you're fooling yourself if you don't think that they're going to be back, it'd be a much more dangerous team next year. And they've gone out and gotten aggressive in the offseason as well. So uh, I certainly included the Ravens in that number. Um, and so, no, look, the AFC West is really good, but all four, I, I don't, all four of those teams are not making the playoffs. I, I just don't think it's going to work out that way. Now, as far as w- one break that the Dolphins get is they get to play the NFC North which could only have one good team, maybe two. We'll see. I mean, again, all of this, we're all speculating. 
Like a year ago at this time, we had no idea what was going to happen to the Ravens. Most people would have thought last year at this time the Ravens were going to make the playoffs. Um, I think most people at this time didn't think the Steelers would, and they did. So uh, most people a year at this time were not considering the Bengals that high on the totem pole either. And now I think some people are going to have them a little too high on the totem pole, but we'll see how that plays out as well. But – they get to – so we don't know, but, you know, if you're going to play a team in the a, in the NFC, that would be the division you probably want to play. Although, i got to tell you, none of the divisions in the NFC look great. Nothing like the, you know, some of the team divisions in the AFC. Nothing like that. Oh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's the third team. That, that I didn't even include. Um – but still, the Dolphins play at the Cheaters. The Cheaters must be their little extra game, which is not a good one to play at the Cheaters. They're going to be good. Um, and, and even if they're not great, they're not a fun team to play because they play physical football. Um, they play at the Ravens. They play at the Bengals. They play at the Chargers. They play at the Bills. And they play at the Patriots. So six of their road games are pretty tough. And then they still got to play teams like the Packers, who are good, a good team uh, at home, a couple uh, really good home teams. So even though they get the AFC North, which is good, you know, they still got quite a, you know, they're still going to have a very challenging schedule. So it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> And again, you know how I always try to remind myself and y'all, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. That's, you know, that is important. And that's really going to be important for some teams. For instance, the Saints have to play the Cleveland Browns this year. The Cleveland Browns own the Saints. They've been owning the Saints forever. And... um. So when you play the Cleveland Browns this year is going to be very important. Uh, Most of us think, I mean, I think Deshaun watches, we talked about it earlier this week. I heard someone say over the weekend that Deshaun watches should be suspended in year two. So he incurs more of a, um, a hit financially. Because the Browns have really circumvented the NFL suspension financially for him by making this first year like a million or something. But, and kind of back, more backloading his contract. But it, um, if you play the Browns with Deshaun Watson, that is a tougher game theoretically than if you're scheduled to play the Browns during the period of time that he gets suspended, whether that's six games or eight games or whatever it is. Whew. So that will um, that will be a big difference. We will find out normally. Normally the NFL schedules happen. Seem like we'll know like right, is it right at right around the draft, maybe right after the draft. So we're not that far away from from knowing when you play. Now, in the in the in the example of Deshaun Watson, we won't know the suspension. 
I wouldn't think by the time the schedule's out. But um But again, the Dolphins certainly added themselves as a playoff contender, but that doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs. Again, it's just not going to be that easy to make the playoffs. At all. Um, so we will, uh, you know, again, it, it, it's fascinating. And then you look at the, because, look, Tyreek Hill went from an AFC team to an AFC team, but he, but he weakened one of the powers of an a of of an AFC team, and he added another. He went to another AFC team that was not looking like a playoff contender at all, and now, you know, you could argue is a playoff contender. So wow, still don't think you know. I think most people are still going to pick um the Bills ahead of them. I think a lot of people will still pick the Patriots ahead of them. Some won't. Um, and really, it's just going to be about how they match up with the, you know, the second and third place teams in the other, in the other divisions. But again, I, I'm, I agree with most people that Matt Ryan is going to have a very good impact, calming impact that that's going to work with the Colts. Um, I expect that to happen. You know, a lot of people, um, man, I saw one in ESPN analyst the other day have the Broncos ranked number five in the AFC. I don't know if I'd go that that far this quick. We'll, we'll wait and see. But, again, the, the point is, however you look at it, it's going to be, it's going to be making the playoffs in the AFC is not going to be easy. And, would it shock me next year if the Chiefs didn't make the playoffs? No, that would not shock me at all if the Chiefs didn't make the playoffs next year. Uh, I think it's – I don't – I'm not any anywhere near ready to predict. We haven't even had the NFL draft yet. But um would not shock me if they didn't. Again, some good teams on paper. Uh, good, stable, good teams are not going to make the playoffs next year in the AFC, so – for once, I'm glad to be in the NFC. For once, it looks like my team is on the, in the right conference. We'll see how, how it plays out. But no, another just, you know, Russell Wilson and then Deshaun Watson and now this. I mean, it's just a lot of huge trades in the NFL, big shakeups. And the NFL, you know, most of my life was not a big trade. You know, baseball was a big trade sport. The NFL has never been a huge trade sport. But um, some blockbusters going on right now for sure. All right. Well, we will take a timeout as we continue to process everything going on in this busy, still busy, busy time. NFL, NFL and Major League Baseball and college baseball and college softball and NCAA tournament going on, all of that. So any, th- any thoughts that you have on any of that, certainly give us a call. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 24th, 2002. Craig Perks of New Zealand chips in twice on the final three holes for his only PGA Tour career win, winning the PGA Players Championship at TPC Sawgrass. Perks beat Stephen Ames by two strokes. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about the great uh, offer for the Harlem Globetrotters. You could win a family pack of four tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April the 5th. In order for you to win this four-pack of family tickets, you could, well, what you need to do is simply text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, text TROTTER to 683-68683, I should say. Text TROTTER to 68683, and you might win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome thanks to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, um, speaking of basketball, we've talked football, we've talked baseball in this hour. Uh, speaking of basketball, we have, we've talked very little about the NCAA tournament so far this week and the Sweet 16 round begins tonight. And there are some, I think, interesting matchup, bizarre matchups. And to me, there's there's one from a blue blood standpoint matchup that that sticks out. And then for, there's one like if I was gonna watch one game, and someone's gonna say you you're only gonna watch one of these games, which one would it be? There's one that clearly sticks out as the game I would watch. Um. Uh, the first game tonight is Arkansas against Gonzaga. Arkansas is the only team in the SEC left. And, again, I'm not not, not real surprised by that. Um, the way that the brackets came out and the way that the, these teams finished, I didn't really think Arkansas would get here. Um, obviously, no one thought Kentucky was going down in the first round, but Auburn did not look like the kind of team that was going to make a deep run. Uh, Alabama did not look like the kind of team that was going to make a deep run. LSU didn't look like the kind of team that was going to make a deep run. Tennessee, it would not have surprised me. If you'd have told me there's one team left at this time before the tournament started, I probably would have said Tennessee, maybe Kentucky, but probably Tennessee. Uh, but that didn't happen either. Um, Arkansas, though, obviously is playing Gonzaga. Not a lot of people are expecting them to win that game. We will see. Michigan-Villanova, like, how many people pick Michigan to be here? 
11 seed that probably some people didn't even think needed to be in the tournament, and here they are. And once again, that's it. I'm sure he had his critics within that program, and they didn't like the season they had. But, you know, you win a couple NCAA tournament games, and it it it's kind of good. Um, you know, same thing could be said for North Carolina, I guess. Um, Texas Tech Duke. I do think this is the game that it would be one. It would be maybe the second or third game for me that I would pick if I could only watch one game of these eight Sweet Sixteen games. Uh, Texas Tech, good defensive team. Duke, you know the only the reason why I wouldn't pick this one is this. This all they'd be talking about, Coach K, Coach K, and Coach K. I'm like enough of that. All right, I, I would, I would have if I watched that game, I'd have to watch it with the sound off, so I wouldn't have to hear the announcers talk about Coach K, Coach K, Coach K all the time. Um, I don't really hate him, but it's just like enough of that. Um, but the game, if I could pick one game. Of all eight of these, it would be Houston and Arizona. Now, Arizona was, again, I didn't fill out a bracket, but I did pick, okay, here's who I think is going to be in the Final Four. Gonzaga and Arizona. Um, Purdue, who's still alive, and then my fourth one was Iowa and went out in the first round. I, I, I don't ever, I, I've told myself I'm never picking Kansas again. Been burned way too many times by Kansas. And I thought the Midwest was a kind of a the worst of the four regions. And I thought it could be a little unpredictable because I, I didn't really trust a lot of the one, two, three seeds in the in the top seeds. And the two seed is out and the three seed is out. Unfortunately, I picked the five seed and and that was a bad pick. But it, it, it's not a surprise if you told me there was going to be a region where a 10 seed was playing an 11 seed in the in the Sweet 16. Not a surprise at all that it's the Midwest because I that looked like the it looked like the 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 re, the one region where the the top five seeds were st- mostly pretty iffy, uh, and so that might actually play into Kansas's hands, and we'll see how that plays out. But the one game, if I was going to watch one game, it'd be Arizona and Houston. Man, Houston just plays more old-school basketball. Just ugly and physical and aggressive. and They love to rebound and play defense. And, and, and Arizona, I don't know if they're going to handle it. So one of my little Final Four teams might be going down tonight. Uh, St. Peter's and Purdue. Man, there's a lot of pressure on Purdue. It's kind of like, you know, and it's kind of like a Bobby Riggs game or, you know, one of these wrestlers who, who has to go against the girl wrestler. Uh, it's you, you like your chances of winning if it's Purdue, but if you lose, I mean, it's like egg on the face. In fact, I, I was watching – a show earlier today when I got up this morning, just flip, I normally flip through the channels just to see what people are saying and see if anything happened during the night that I need to be aware of. And I heard one guy who, and this guy is actually, he does uh play by play for Rutgers. So he's in the college basketball scene and in that era, in that region and in that conference. And he 
he said he's here. He thinks that the Purdue coach, if they lose this game, could get fired. I'm like, get fired. But he was like, I'm serious. He, you know, he he thought it was possible that the new the Purdue coach could get fired if they lose this game. Now, again, no, I I didn't think. St. Peter's would win their second game after the first one. I, I really, I thought that was a, that was a, a great bet, a sure shot that Murray State was going to beat them, and, and I was, I'd have been wrong. I was wrong, but I really don't think they're going to beat Purdue. I mean, fifteen seed, if they would get to the Elite Eight, that would be unbelievable. So I, I don't see it happening, but it does put Purdue in a really strange. It's like you have to win. How can you lose to a 15 seed? Of course, they're probably saying, well, the two seed, the two seed did. <laughs> Why can't we? But uh, but no, I mean, if you're Purdue and you're in the Sweet 16 and you get to play St. Peter's, it's good on one hand because they're not as good as all these other teams, but they are obviously hot and doing something well. And, and if you lose, the pressure is, oh, man, that's – so it's kind of a that's the most that's the strangest matchup of all of this. I already mentioned uh, Kansas, the one seed they're playing Providence. A lot of people think Providence was you know only alive because of a bad officials call, but that's kind of the way it goes in basketball. And then of course you have the Blue Bloods game, North Carolina an eight seed against uh, UCLA to four seed. Um, I think UCLA is going to win that game. And then Iowa State and Miami. I really think Miami's going to win. I didn't think Iowa State would get here. I, I, I didn't. I mean, that that's almost as shocking as St. Peter's being here. Not as shocking, but um, sir, I, I can't believe there's very many brackets around the country that had Iowa State in this game. I would think a pretty decent amount of people said Miami. Um, my problem is I think I'd have picked USC to beat Miami because I was kind of thinking USC. I strongly considered USC to make a run here. and But, no, that was a, a, a really good first-round matchup. So I'm not shocked that Miami is is still around, not nearly as surprised as Iowa State. But um, So I, I kind of think Miami is going to win that game. So I think Miami will play. I think Miami will win. UCLA will win. I think Candace will win and Purdue will win. I don't know what to think about Arizona and Houston. I, 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 I think Arizona's probably of all the one and two seeds that are still alive, probably the most uncomfortable right now. Of course, Duke's probably pretty uncomfortable against Texas State too. Uh, I mean, Texas Tech, and yeah, I would I, I would think Arizona's probably the most uncomfortable because they're like you, you watch Houston on film and they're just you might beat them, but boy, they're not fun to play. They make you earn it. They get after you. So it will be um, a couple of these matchups, again, will be interesting. I, I will be surprised if I would think there'd be at least three to four double-digit games. But 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 you might you might get about half and half, about half single-digit games, and half of them will be double-digit games. Uh, but for college basketball fans, it'll, it'll, it'll be an exciting time. And then, obviously – they're all trying to get to New Orleans, which is in the state. And typically, the Final Fours in New Orleans, a lot of them have been pretty pretty dramatic, pretty exciting. And so we'll see 
how that plays out. But um, I think the Arizona-Houston matchups kind of tops the cake there of all these matchups today and tomorrow. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back with more footnotes. Finish out the first hour on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the footlish dictionary. Old tuck tail. Tuck tail. Noun. A former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college, where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil where you can win two sacks of crawfish, a pot, a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astro game. All brought to you by JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. To put yourself eligible for this great prize, you just simply need to go to the website, join the claim the game rewards club at either 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you might win the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by JJ Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles. All right. Um, if you have not heard, again, Major League Baseball is in, in the spring training mode. I'm not a huge spring training guy. I I do get upset if my ace pitcher tries to field the ball with his hand and breaks a bone in his hand. So in terms of really bad things like that happening, I I, I can be um, get fired up about spring training. Other than that, I, I do very little. But one thing to keep an eye on in Major League Baseball, while, while we still got guys haven't signed yet. By the way, Craig's Reds, uh, we've been kind of teasing Craig's Reds. Craig's Reds sound um, Tommy Pham. So going to help the outfield a little bit anyway. Yesterday. But um, in case you had noticed, I don't remember whether we mentioned this next week. They they reinstituted the runner at second base and extra innings thing, which, eh, again, a lot of baseball people aren't high on that. They also did this. Did you hear? They they uh, they were very were very uh, infatuated with the Angels and their little MVP candidates, and um, I love being in division with a bunch of MVPs. That never make the playoffs. It, it 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 it's a it's a very interesting concept, but it's um and 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 it's lots of fun to be on this side of it. But because Shohei Otani, um, you know, is a pitcher, and we're now all full DH, and he he played an American League team anyway. They have this new rule where if he pitches in the game, then he can. 
And it's going to affect so few people. I don't really care. But it's like, you know, they're changing the rules. And I guess they're trying to say, you know, it's increased the possibility of having more of those two-way type players. But anyway, when he leaves the game as a pitcher, he can stay in as a DH and bat the rest of the game. Um, so I don't really have a problem with it. It's just funny. We'll see what they can do. The little angels. I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm more worried about the Rangers this year than the angels. We'll see how that plays out. Haven't gotten to the opener yet. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, again, lots of things going on. We did kick off NFL draft coverage earlier this week. So any thoughts you may have on that? Obviously, um, with the Saints, we're going to be talking a lot about offensive tackles and wide receivers over the next four to five weeks. Seeing which ones you like. Saw someone yesterday wrote that George Pickens should be, from Georgia, should be on um, the Saints radar. He's certainly one of the ones we talked about on Tuesday. I, I don't know. Um, I... I I don't know that Drake London's going to be there, but right now I'm kind of leaning towards Drake London. The only issue with him is he's coming off an injury, so you wonder if, how if how ready he's going to be at the very beginning. Same kind of thought process with with Jamison Williams. I saw one analyst today who said that's what the Chiefs should do. Not saying that maybe Jamison Williams is as good as Tyreek Hill, but he's in that category, he's saying, so... It'd be a great move for the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs have two first-round picks. That's a scary deal. I understand they lost Tyreek Hill, and I hope it hurts them too. But um, when you start talking about a good organization being able to replenish itself, usually when you're in major Super Bowl contention each year, like the Chiefs have been the last three or four years, you know, you don't norm- you're not normally sitting there with a bunch of hot draft picks first-round picks, multiple high draft picks. So that's kind of scary for the Chiefs if if they draft properly. So, again, we can talk um, NFL. Major League Baseball is, is is ongoing, and we'll be talking about it more when we get a little closer to the regular season, but still some rosters to be set there for sure. Uh, college baseball, a lot of – 
lot of not good talk right now. Uh, a lot, you know, both teams have played one conference series. We talked about it quite a bit about an hour ago. Um, for the LSU, for the Cajuns, uh, huge weekend series. And both of them look very challenging. Uh, I don't know that it's going to surprise a whole lot of people if, if neither the Cajuns or Tigers win this series. And if they don't, then you're looking at both getting off to pretty rocky starts depending if they lose it by sweep variety like the Cajuns did at Troy last weekend or not. So college baseball um, will be speaking more about Cajuns specifically with our friend Craig Melanson tomorrow. We'll see if he's got he's had time between now and tomorrow to get his Tommy Pham T-shirt or not. Um, and uh, obviously softball, we spoke with Coach Glasgow yesterday, and he's got a huge series. Not that the opponent is all that special. I mean, UTA's playing well. They're a hot team. They, they, you know, they beat Oklahoma State last weekend. They or the week bef- the midweek before that, and then they. Um, Swept a, a Sunbelt Conference series, I believe it was over Coastal, if I remember correctly, uh, this past weekend. So they're a hot team, but their overall season's not all that good. But it's just important for the Cajuns to start playing well and and getting some uh, and getting a sweep. And Coach Glasgow has certainly talked about how important that is. So we will um, kind of monitor that. Also, you know, obviously the NCAA tournament. The next segment we'll be talking some Kentucky Derby. So kind of covering all of our bases. But we haven't talked hardly basically at all about the Astros or Major League Baseball. Just for those of you who are Astro fans, you know, again, I'm not a spring training guy, but when you're talking about the health of someone, I I am still kind of not believing what's about to happen, what looks like it's about to happen. I mean, it looks like Justin Verlander is really going to pitch for the Astros. It's like a year ago, you know, when you, you're as old as he is and you get hurt late in the year like you did the year before. And then I remember at the beginning of last season, there was some talk that maybe he could be a relief pitcher and pitch an inning here or there at the end. And, of course, they that didn't happen. Um, and in the when the offseason began, I'm like, well, he's probably done, period, much less with the Astros, especially since they had that little uncomfortable situation where they, he was going to throw out the first pitch and and he wasn't there all year and the players that were there all year were like, well, why is he throwing out the first pitch now? He hasn't been here all year. <laughs> um, So that was a little uncomfortable. And yet, there he is. And... I bring that up because he's had two outings. Now he's only throwing two innings, but still, spring training. And he's coming off a major injury. He's basically trying to do something that's never been done. I mean, I, I don't know of any pitcher who's had a Tommy John this late in their career that has come back from it. Um, But, you know, he, I saw one of them, two innings that he pitched against the Cardinals. I don't remember the other team he faced. And he looked like Justin Verlander. <laughs> it's just it's two innings, incredibly small sample size, but he looked like Justin Verlander. So 
Maybe I need to really start wrapping my mind around this. Justin Verlander is going to be pitching for the Astros again. Kind of crazy. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to Paul. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Oh, I don't know. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm like you. I don't know. I can't call it yet. But i tell you one thing. I definitely call for a reason. Did you see the Duke Yellow Belly Fleet take, take tonight? Uh, yes, that's one of the games tonight. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, since that old Yellow Belly Ronnie is not calling, he's been disappearing. I know he's listening, so I have an offer for him. I want to bet him a poor boy that sandwich that his team lose to Texas Tech. Yeah. And I'm going to use his favorite words that he likes to say. His team is some hog wash. So I would be waiting for his reply because my <laughs> Tar Heels is going to win. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think I think the Bruins uh, are going to beat. I think I think UCLA is going to win, but we'll see. Really? Yeah, I think really? UCLA is going to win. No, no, no. Foot, you you you're going to lose your Tar Heel card. Yeah. You know that, huh? Well, I'm not really. A, I'm not going to insult Tar Heel fans, but I mean, I was when I was a you know a youngster. But it's what you I'm mean? You is or you not? Which one? What, no, you, I'm not. I, I'm not. I mean, I hope they do well. I always pull for them against Duke for sure. But I, I'm not a, a Tar Heel fan like like I used to be, so I, I don't claim to be. Well, I agree with you. I mean, when it comes to watching that Duke game, um, I'm going to turn the sound off because I don't oh, care about yeah, the you got to turn the sound down. Yeah, you yeah. might not hate him, but I hate him. I'm sorry, I didn't coach K, coach K, coach K, coach K. Yeah, it's too but much. I don't mind yeah, hearing about the Davis though. <laughs> It'll be a good game. I'm going to enjoy this, but so I'm going to be calling them more to rub it in on them no more. Okay, Ducky, you can hide. I'm right. waiting for his reply. Later, foot. All right, take care. I don't know. I don't know if I'd mess with Rockefeller. He's been so angry lately, just angry. So you might you might want to leave Rockefeller alone. I don't know if I'd I don't know if I'd mess with him right now. Again, the game hotline seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. Um, you know, one of the I don't know if they're gonna if spring training really has anything to do with it. But I guess the other thing the Astros have to figure out, uh, other than, you know, when is Lance McCullers going to ever come back? And again, it's such a, you know, it's hard to dislike Lance McCullers. Like he's so passionate, he's so into it, he's so loyal to the Astros, and yet he's always hurt. And, and, And he made it through, um, the entire regular season last year, and then he gets hurt in the ALDS, and and here he, we are, the start of the season, he's not going to be ready, and he could be out a month or two months or who knows how long. I mean, with pitchers, if it's any kind of shoulder or arm or any kind of arm injury, not like a, a foot or a knee or something, any kind of arm injury for a pitcher, and they say could be one or two months. I mean, it, that could be four months. I mean, it's just it, – it's so often it's worse than what they're saying. And so the good thing about the Astros, if Verlander is really going to be able to pitch, which, again, I I was not thinking that, but it's starting to look like it actually might happen. Um, they still have enough depth in the rotation, which is the good thing. You know, they still have Urquidy. They still have Framber Valdez. 
and they still have Luis Garcia. Now, they got to figure out, is Jake Odorizzi going to be a starter? He's a little finicky. Or are they going to try to still make a starter out of Christian Javier? And I, I'm good with both of them. It's just about which one is it'll be better in the pen. You know, Jake Odorizzi gave the Astros some good innings last year in, in, in the postseason. Um, and so I, I think Javier is going to need to be in the pen still. Odorizzi is more of a, you know, kind of kind of set himself up and probably not going to be as mentally ready to be out of the bullpen during the regular season as he was in the in the postseason. So, and he's kind of got, I don't know, he, I, I don't know that he's the his his te- his mindset. I don't know if he's like this. Oh, I'm I'm gonna do whatever the coach manager wants me to do. I don't know if he's quite in that mindset. So it's probably best overall you put him in the rotation and keep Javier in the pin like he did a lot of last season, and we'll see what happens. Javier is one of them guys who you can tell he has a lot of potential. He's had success at every level of the minor leagues. He never really had a bad season in professional baseball. Um, and you think that the light might go off where he could get to that next level one one year. And maybe it's this year. Hopefully it's this year. But if he does, I don't know exactly how, you know, all that's going to fit in. I still say Jose Arquiti should be a relief pitcher, but they keep saying he's not. I mean, he comes in, he throws strikes. He, he throws right at hitters. How is that not a relief pitcher? I don't know. But uh, supposedly he's better as a starter than a reliever. So we'll see how that plays out. But, again, we got another, what, two weeks before the game. Well, a little bit more than that, when the games actually start. So, um yeah, it's not that far away. But no, apparently Justin Verlander is really going to do this. His first two starts were pretty encouraging in uh, in spring training. All right, we'll take a timeout. We will come back on the game, shift gears, talk to Mr. Tom, Kentucky Derby talk, Kentucky Derby prep talk, big race in Louisiana this weekend. We'll see what Mr. Tom has to say about that when we come back after this time out on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station How much does foot despise the San Francisco 49ers Well you be the judge I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our spe- special guest, want to remind you about the Hangout Music Festival scheduled for May the 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. If you would like to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, 
You need to put yourself in position to do so by going to the website, join the Game Rewards Club, like most of our great prizes that we give away. And if you do that by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you might win VIP passes to a weekend of music in South and Gulf Shores, Alabama, for the Hangout Music Festival. All right, we have with us our friend Mr. Tom to talk a little bit of uh, horse racing, get us prepared each week, a little different update each week leading into the start of the Triple Crown races with the Kentucky Derby. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Well, you've got a big race in Louisiana this weekend. Tell us about it. Well, it's the Louisiana Derby. It's uh, always a, a fun place to be. Um, before I get started, the Louisiana Derby is not a real good indicator of who's going to win the Kentucky Derby, but it is going to be a very competitive field this weekend. So there's not a uh, kind of a clear-cut favorite? Oh, there's a clear-cut favorite in the Louisiana Derby. His name is Epicenter, and um, he's very, very fast. He's going to go to the lead. Um, there are a couple of horses in here that can put the pressure on him, and if that happens, then we might have a real, real good race. But it's possible him to get the lead and, and go all the way, yes. So it's, it's um, one of the things that I want to, again, this is part of the reason why I want to have you on, is for, for people like me who have an, an interest in horse racing but don't really know how, you know, all the ins and outs of it like we do like baseball or football and things. So how – do most of these derby prep races have run the same distance as the actual derby or most of them run different distances? And if they do, why would they do that? Okay. To answer your first question, no, the, 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 the prep races are shorter, but this is kind of like, it's it just kind of like getting the horse used to going around two turns. This is very critical with horse racing. We have a horse in New York called Morello. He won the Gotham a couple of weeks ago or the whatever the prep race was, but he only went one turn. Aqueduct has a one-turn mile. Belmont has a one-turn mile and an eighth, so huge tracks. So horses have to be prepared to go two turns. Now, what is that? What, why is that important? Horses don't run naturally on turns. That's the key. You have, to, you have to train them to go around turns. They're real good at going straight, but they're not real good at going around turns. So these prep races introduce a lot of these horses to two-turn racing, and that's one reason why it's done that way. So this race this weekend will be a mile and three-sixteenths, which is nine and one-half furlongs, one half furlong more, and you'll get the Kentucky Derby distance, which would be another 110 yards. So to answer your question, they need to prep these horses in shorter races that go around two turns so they can finally get to that 10 furlong race, which is the Kentucky Derby. But but they never actually run that distance until they no. get to Churchill. That's right, and uh, unless you come from overseas. Now, on Saturday, there's the UAE Derby. It'll run at a mile and three-sixteenths in Medellin. Uh, but no no race that any horse that gets to the Kentucky Derby, unless they come from overseas maybe, 
will ever run 10 furlongs. 10 furlongs is the longest they'll run probably at the time they get to the Kentucky Derby. All right. So is that a, is that a reason? Is that one of the reasons why forever, it, you know, the favorite didn't win the Kentucky Derby because that makes it more unpredictable <laughs> or is that not it? it? It's part of it. It's part of it. It's a class test, Kevin. You know, I mean, when you get to the top of the stretch in the Kentucky Derby, you either have some gas left in the tank or you wobble leg and home. You know, it's, it's, those horses are not all bred to run 10 furlongs. And you find out quickly at the Derby. All right. Because, so if you're – we're talking about the Louisiana Derby because it's this yeah. weekend. But but it, yeah. whether it's the Louisiana Derby or any of these prep races, do you, if you're, like, at the track, like fairgrounds – I mean, uh, or I mean, Louisiana down. So, are you wanting the the epic, like the favorite epicenter in this case, to win? Because chances well, are, no one. I mean, these other horses. If you have an upset, they may not even make it to the Derby, right? I mean, how how do tracks look at that? Well, that that's very true. I mean, um, for me personally, no, I wouldn't bet the favorite, but that's just personal. Uh, epicenter, as I said before, is a lot of experience. He won the Risen Star. He won easily in the Risen Star. He's got speed. He's going to go to the front. And I'm going to tell you right now, Kevin, speed is American racing. You want to be in the front or real close to it, no matter what distance you go. Coming from behind, that's, that's nonsense. I mean, you like, you, you like to see a horse come from behind and win, but it doesn't happen. It's better in the movies no. that way, though, Mister Tom. When you have horse <laughs> yeah, racing, it's movies. better in the movies. Yeah, That's it's right. better in the movies that way. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's you don't. Dramatic. Okay, so if um, so what I'm saying is, so like, if Epicenter doesn't win, if Epicenter mm-hmm. wins, what are the chances that it's going to be in the Derby? Oh, he's going to be in the Derby. Whoever comes out of this race, first, second, or third, will probably qualify to run for the Roses in the first. First Saturday of May, whoever the first three horses will probably all qualify. Now, trainers and owners make that decision at that point. Do I want to go further? Now, every horse in this race wants to be in the Kentucky Derby. If they win, they're gone. If they run second and they run reasonably well, they're gone. But but if they don't run reasonably well, they don't close real well, they get third simply because they're there, maybe not. But the points go to 100 this week. So, you know, you start making points. It takes about 30 to get in the Derby to be all, in the top all, all right. So, but but there, how many total, quote, Derby prep races are there when you count the international and the ones here? There's more than 30. Okay. There's more than oh, 20. Yeah. No, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Actually, the Lexington, the last one, is kind of like a 10 point for anybody that's straggling. But there's really 10 prep races, 10 real prep races that count for points. That's what we're talking about. I got you. And, so there yeah. are other ones that are like I, I looked up derby prep races and there was like 50 or something. I mean, Yeah, I, there's a bunch of them. They all start when they're two years old. But there's very few two-year-olds that are going to be really, really good when they're three-year-olds. There's some. I mean, Classic Empire a couple of years ago was a good example uh, of a horse that got better as he was three, but very few horses that go from two to three get a whole lot better. But we have a horse running in the Louisiana Derby this weekend called Rattle and Roll. He won 
the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which was the, you know, the the, the two-year-old equivalent of the Kentucky Derby. And he's in this race this weekend. He's a four to one on the morning, six to one on the morning line, but he'll be less than that. But he could win very easily. He won that. He can win this. So if you're not if you're not going to pick Bet Epicenter. Is that the horse, or is there another one that intrigues you? Oh, there's a, there's definitely another one that I like. Uh, he'll be the number three horse. He's called Call Me Midnight. And he's six to one, six to one on the morning line, and he's one of those horses that I'm saying can't win. Right, running from way behind. Uh huh. But what what I'm hoping for is that there's two or three horses in here that have up front speed. The the six horse is very fast. But the seven horse can be up front. There's a couple of horses in here that might, you know, go up and give him a little push, a little nudge. Horses that run on the front want to set their own pace. But if they get a nudge or so forth, they have to go a little bit faster. And at the end, that takes away some of their, their, you know, the push. But Call Me Midnight is trained by a local trainer, Keith Desormo, the brother of Kent Desormo, but he's been in California for years, so he's not local anymore. But the horse is called Call Me Midnight, and he got out of the gate pretty slowly the first time he ran in the in the Lacombe, which was prior to the Risen Star, which was prior to the Louisiana Derby. He won the Lacombe. He's off for, ten, for two months now, and he's going to come back with some very fast workouts. I look for him to be closer. I'll look for him to make a move in the stretch. And if he wins, well, maybe four or five to one, he'll be something like that. But anyway, that's the horse I like. But that's just personal. Any of these horses probably could run. And uh, a, Brad, how, how big is I'm the sorry. field? The field has got nine horses in okay. it. And there are about five that can win. The other four are there, for instance. But the big story this week is that Bob Baffert has an injunction on his not being able to run in the Derby. So it's possible he's going to have horses and he will run in the Derby, I'm sure. He's got one runner in Medina, uh, called uh, Pinehurst who will run at 9 o'clock Saturday morning in Median, which is in uh, the Emirates. Uh, he'll run that horse, and he's the best horse in that race. So he may actually qualify a horse by running in the Middle East. All right, sense. so is this like a legal pushback, pushback situation? Yeah, or why why is this still up in the air? Yeah. And somebody wants to do something, they injunct, they get to do it, they go back to court. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure of all the legal details, but it looks like that's what it is. So the horse racing industry can't be too happy. Well, they're not happy about it. But again, you know how this legal business goes. I mean, it, it it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. And Bob Baffert is so good in the derby that, I don't know, it's one half a dozen of one and six of the other as far as I'm concerned. I, I'd like to see his horses. He's got a horse called Messier, named after the soccer player, who's really faster than anybody in the, in the three-year-old field right now. He hasn't run for a while, but if he comes back in the Santa Anita Derby and he wins that, then he qualifies to go to the Derby. So you know how those things go. It works the same in all sports. You, you want to you want your horses to run. He's got three or four good ones. So, 
So, I don't know. So you think it, it for you, is it better yeah. if he's in it or is it better for the sport if he's not in it? Again, uh, on July the 1st, the sport's going to be whacked with that new federal law that has that takes over the medication problem, takes over the thoroughbred aftercare problem. So hopefully, hopefully that'll end up solving some problems without being too bureaucratic, if you understand what I mean. Right. Uh, medication problems. That's been the big, big, big problem. And that's what got Bob Baffert in trouble, these constant medication overuses. And things like that. So I don't know. All right. So I'm we're like gonna this. we're gonna we're gonna see how your horse does. So when's post time? <laughs> post time for that uh, is supposedly about five forty five Saturday afternoon. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that while we're monitoring baseball and these other things. Yeah. All right. I appreciate your time as always, sir. Good luck to your Thank horse. Thank you, Bert. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thanks for Take having. Take care. Me. All right, Mister Tom's educating gonna he's educating me and probably a lot of you on how the horse racing stuff works behind the scene as we inch closer to the kentucky derby big weekend louisiana downs up in the shreveport area for the louisiana derby thank you mr tom all righty we'll take a time out we'll come back more on footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station ones run for cover when watching a game with you then footnotes is the show for you time for more footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Wanna, before we get to more, I want to make a correction. I said I initially said Fairgrounds, and then I changed it to Louisiana Downs. I was incorrect in changing it. It is um, the Louisiana Derby's at the Fairgrounds, not a Louisiana Downs, so. Want to make that make sure we get that straight before we move on to other things. Want to tell you or remind you to go to our website. Put yourself in position to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Again, you can't win if you don't go to the website and join the game clubhouse. So you do so by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and put yourself in position to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That way you can um, go order the steak the way you like it. And I did hear that suggestion that someone made a couple hours ago on RP3 and company um, that we need to have one of the questions be about food each week and so I think I could go for that as well. We we've uh, we've argued about cereal and other things and gumbo and spaghetti and corn and we've argued about all that kind of stuff on shows on footnotes before. So I'm all for the um, one time one day a week food question. I, I think we'll we'll have a fun. In fact, I had a friend who got a 
he said he got a real kick out of the whole um, the steak thing, and he um, is a little more. I, I, I'm surprised at how many people like it rare and medium rare because I, I don't. I'm not really in that number, but apparently. There are a lot of people that do. That's why you ha- that's why it's fun to have those kinds of discussions. All right, the game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. I mentioned yesterday and I kind of had to hurry cuz I waited too long and the and the break was coming. Um the idea, the concept of me and a lot of other Saints fans are sitting here going, what in the world's going on? Why are they not signing a free agent wide receiver? And I don't, again, we're all guessing. I, I don't know what the answer is to that question. Maybe they've tried. It hadn't just hadn't been publicized. And, it just, you know, they lost out or, you know. I, there, I guess there are a number of reasons why why it could be. But the the point I was getting to yesterday is if they're sold at Callaway is a number three or number four receiver, then they have him. If they're sold at Hardy, got to get used to that new name, is a number three receiver, which I think he is, um, then they have him. If they're sold that Plastic Man is a number one receiver and they're confident that he's healthy, then they have him. So, again, in effect, when when Plastic Man Michael Thomas did not play last year, in effect, you lost two receivers. Because Callaway, for instance, had to operate as a number one receiver. He, he's not a number one receiver. So you didn't really have a number one receiver. And you didn't have the number four receiver as good as Callaway because Callaway was trying to be something that he's not, which was a number one receiver. So not numbers-wise, but talent-wise, you really were without two receivers. You didn't have a true number four, and you didn't have a number one. Now, the number I haven't mentioned yet is two. What they really need is a is a is an, a legitimate number two receiver. Now, is it possible they could get that in the first round of the draft? Yes. So let's say they draft one of these guys, and he becomes a legitimate whether it's one of the Ohio State guys or the guy from USC or whoever. They draft one of these receivers in the first round, and he turns out to be a number two receiver. Well, then, are you then short at receiver? Are you, like, how many teams have more than four good receivers that play any time at all? I wouldn't think a lot. Now, you might say, well, one of them's always hurt, or this guy's always hurt. I'm not arguing with you. And so you might need to get a fifth guy, a, 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 a more experienced, more functional fifth receiver, 
to play that role just in case. But how many... I mean, how many guys are you going to sign in free agency to be a fourth or a fifth receiver? Is my point. I mean, you, you're not, especially at this point of free agency, you're not going to do that. Now, you might pick up a guy later that could become that. But uh, my point is, as frustrating as it is, the fact that they've not, you've not, as a Saints fan, you haven't seen a lot of free agent activity on picking up wide receivers. If you draft one in the draft and you think Callaway is a legitimate number four receiver, then you then as as long as you draft one and you hit on it in the draft, you have your top four receivers already. Um, now again, Mighty Mouse is hurt all the time, and so you know certainly need to address that issue. But you're not going to be drafting the. Rep- potential replacement for Mighty Mouse when he gets hurt, you know, you're not going to be getting that. I mean, if you if you go out and spend money right now on a free agent, he's going to be your number two receiver, whether it's Jarvis Landry or someone like that. You know, you're not assigning Jarvis Landry to be your number four or five receiver. So it, it, that might maybe could be sort of. What they're thinking? I'm just trying to think this thing through. Like, what's going on? Why? Why, why is it happening? What is what, what is happening here? It's possible that they're not as short. Assuming Plastic Man is Plastic Man, and by the time he comes back and plays this season, if he does, um, are we going to remember what it's like? I mean, it's been two years. I mean, I know he played a little bit two years ago, but not really. I mean, it's essentially been without him for two years. And um, at least the number one receiver that we remember from the couple years before that. So um, it makes this draft extremely important. I mean, extremely important. And again, man, it's, it's almost crazy thinking this way and talking this way because I've been one of the most adamant do not want a receiver in the first round guys that there is I you know I have been anti pick a receiver in the first round forever probably since Larry Burton (laughs) what year was that like 75 maybe they picked Larry Burton I think it was the number eight overall pick Larry Burton. He was terrible. Terrible. But he was fast. (sighs) Anyway. So I've kind of been against it since then. You know, I remember in the um, in the Jim Moore days, I really wasn't against it that, you know, at that time they had Eric Martin, who was had great hands could run routes uh, and strong, but he wasn't fast. So for a while there, there was always that thought process. Man, they need to go out and get one of these elite receivers, and they would pick some. They picked some second rounders like Brett Perriman, Wesley Carroll from Miami, a fancy program, college powerhouse, and Brett Perriman was okay. 
Uh, he wasn't great. He was fine. And Wesley Carroll was not as good as Perriman. So they never really could. They never really picked that first round guy. I remember one year wanting Andre Risen, and that didn't happen. Um, and so it, it, it wouldn't be the first time I've been okay slash pro picking wide receiver in the first round, but it's a small number. It's uh, it has not happened very often, but. Um, you know, again, it's where it's where on paper the strength is. The strength of the draft is matching up with the needs of the Saints. That's a good thing. And the strength of the AFC over the NFC is matching up with the needs of the Saints. That's a good thing. So I kind of like both of those situations. We'll see how how, how it plays out. But um, you know, last year was high on that. Linebacker from Tulsa. And right now, I, I think I think Drake London is the guy. I've read all these bios, looked at their heights and weights, and thought about their situations of all these, uh, you know, top six or seven wide receivers uh, on most of these draft lists. And I, I think London's the one that sounds the best, that I, I kind of like. He's not, uh, that you know, I, I don't want another midget receiver. And, um, you know, this is, I think this guy's the best combination of, of speed, uh, elusiveness and hands and size, but he does, he did, he is coming off an injury and, and, and that, that's a, it's a major question. No, no, no question about that. And he's got kind of a cool name, Drake London. So that's who I'm hoping they pick unless we hear something, uh, really even more negative about his you know, coming back from his injury and all, but uh, no, I think that that'd be that's kind of the one. And, and again, he may not even be there, so you know how that goes. I think most people think Wilson will be picked ahead of him right now. Uh, the receiver, one of the receivers from Ohio State. Some people have him going into the tenth round. Most mock drafts I've seen don't have a receiver in the top ten, but some have him sneaking into the top ten, and then we'll see if. If if any of these guys are still there, um, that the Saints won. I mean, there'll be some of them still there. It's just will it be the one the Saints won? We will we will see. So we did a little draft talk this week. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out today's show next on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Which NFL MVP annoys Kevin Foote the most? Who is Aaron Rodgers? He's the most arrogant athlete I've ever seen. I think he's really, to his core, that arrogant. He really believes, why in the world are you even speaking to me? You are a lower form of human being. That kind of arrogance is what I'm talking about, and I think that's who Aaron Rodgers is. That is correct. Now, back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
Want to remind you, go to the website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you might win one of two gift certificates from Cypress Bayou, a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen, all at Cypress Bayou. And all you have to do is go to one of the websites and join the Game Clubhouse to become eligible. So sign up today. All right. You know, it's deep, dark CIA secret stuff, but uh, the Cajuns football team will have their um, or its first intra-squad scrimmage on Saturday. And one of the things that Coach Dez told us about yesterday that is an interesting way of dealing, of handling the scrimmage is a lot of scrimmages are scripted, and he said they're going to kind of go live. In other words, try to make it more game-like as possible just so even though they kind of did this, you know, in the bowl game, obviously he was the head coach and not, you know, some of these guys were there. Not all of these guys were there. But the the staff here that um, where they can kind of get a little bit of an experience of what it's going to be like come September, the whatever, I think it's the second, whatever that first – uh, Saturday in September is. And so they will, um, you know, I, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good way of doing it, especially since you've got all these new quarterbacks and, and decision makers and, uh, you know, you got a new defensive coordinator who's been here, but still he wasn't that before in the past, but he still wasn't the defensive coordinator in, in Lamar Morgan. And by the way, we're, um, hoping and planning to uh, interview uh, Coach Morgan like we did Coach Leger on the offensive coordinator side um, uh, this next week. So just uh, I, I, when he said that yesterday at the, at the uh, football presser, spring practice presser, I said, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like a, a good plan. So we'll see what news comes out of that first scrimmage. All right, that'll do it for today's show appreciate uh the phone calls appreciate mr tom coming on again we'll be talking trying to figure out this cajun baseball team tomorrow with craig melanson look forward to his comments on that as we go into a big weekend series at home against south alabama y'all have a nice day